Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor. And I'm so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode where we are talking about weight loss and wake up calls in midlife. What I mean is my guest is an amazing weight loss coach. So of course, I want to talk to her about weight loss strategies in midlife. But I also want to talk about how a wake-up call can really help you focus on what's important for you, because that's totally what happened to her. Now, you might think that that's an unusual combination of topics for an episode, but you know what? I just couldn't help myself. My guest today is fascinating and can speak to both of them. So it's a benefit of having your own podcast. I could do what I want as long as I come up with a good title that makes sense to you and that gets you excited about listening. And of course, I want to deliver great information to make your day a little brighter. That's how we roll on the Women in the Middle podcast. So let's talk about weight loss and wake-up calls. Let me tell you about my guest today. Cookie Rosenblum works with amazing women who want to lose weight and their emotional and habitual overeating and learn to eat and live like a natural eater. For over 25 years, Cookie's experience has helped thousands of women change their bodies and their lives from the inside out. She's a master-level life coach and author and host of a highly acclaimed podcast on iTunes. Cookie's book, Clearing Your Path to Permanent Weight Loss, is critical in helping you figure out why nothing has worked for you so far so you can stop repeating the same eating and thinking mistakes over and over again. Her podcast, Weight Loss Made Real, which is top rated in iTunes, is almost like having private sessions with Cookie. On her podcast, she does just as she does with her Freedom Group members. She coaches you on how to not only lose weight and end painful eating patterns, but also on how to lose the whole problem. But remember, there's another reason I wanted to have Cookie on the Women in the Middle podcast. She's experienced what so many of us experience at our age and stage a wake-up call, a big one. And the experience helped her figure out some priorities in her life, like determining exactly how she wanted to create business with balance. And she did just that. I know you're going to get so much from meeting Cookie today. She's an amazing woman, weight loss coach, and entrepreneur. So please enjoy this interview. Cookie, thanks so much for being with us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Thank you, Susie. My pleasure. I am so excited to have you here for two main reasons. And the first one is, first of all, I love any time I have with you. So this is just a bonus. But really, you're an amazing weight loss coach with over 25 years experience. And I want to ask you a couple of questions about that for the women in the middle. And also, you made some very specific changes in your business to suit your intentional lifestyle, which we love talking about in midlife, and I want to talk to you about that too. So with so much to talk about, let's get started with a couple of weight loss 
coaching questions, which you're such an expert. I'm really excited to hear this from you. So the first question is, in midlife, women are very quick to feel like their weight gain is totally out of control because of menopause. And I was hoping you could talk a little bit about this. What are some of the myths about midlife weight gain? Absolutely, Susie. And by the way, any time with you also is like a big treat for me. Woohoo! So, double thank you. So the big M. All right, here we go. The biggest myth is that as you go into menopause, you will inevitably gain a lot of weight. Now, you know I'm not a hormone expert, but I do fit into this midlife category, and a lot of my clients do too. So here's what I know. When we're younger, we naturally have more muscle, even if we don't exercise at all. So as time goes on, if we don't do anything to build muscle, to, which really is just maintaining the muscle we have, what happens is we lose muscle and we gain fat. And muscle is a more metabolically active tissue than fat. So our body compositions change. There's less tissue that burns up the food that we eat. So we could eat the same thing that we ate when we were 30 or 40, and we're surprised we're going to gain weight. And that is very distressing, right? It's You're such eating. a surprise. <laughs> yes, like I'm not eating more than I used to eat, but suddenly the scale's going up. So that's number one. Number two is as our estrogen levels dip, our sleep changes, as you know and I know, our moods fluctuate. This is common. So when this happens, it is really common to try to medicate ourselves with extra food. We're not consciously trying to sabotage ourselves in any way. We're just trying to get through the day. So even if you were not an emotional leader before, put in less sleep and put in suddenly out-of-control moods, and you're going to find yourself eating emotionally to feel better. So you eat to feel better, and voila, now you have an emotional eating habit where you didn't have one before. So the facts are that menopausal women do generally gain an average of one and a half pounds per year. Not that much, right? Mm -hmm. But it does add up. And while we were younger and we were able to get away with eating tons of junky food, now that food does not mix as easily and isn't metabolized as easily with our changing hormones and our changing body composition, so we're more sensitive to eating that kind of food. Long answer, I know, but I wanted to give you everything I knew about that. No, that's really good because I certainly felt, I've been menopausal now for about six years, and I was like, oh my God, everything I used to do to lose a quick five pounds doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So that really was a bit of a surprise for me, but I kind of thought, well, I'm destined to just gain the weight and that's it. It didn't occur to me that I could still lose the weight. <laughs> I just absolutely. needed a bit of a different approach. <laughs> right, absolutely. And as in everything, as we go through all kinds of stages of life, no one teaches us that you have to step back, see what's happening, give it some thought, do some research and figure it out. We just feel changes and we just feel kind of, helpless. You know, this is happening 
to us and there's nothing we could do about it. That's our default. It's so true. It is so true. So thanks for that. And there's one more question I can't resist asking. I wanted to talk to you about how women our age can start to connect more with mindful eating. That's a real catchphrase these days. But in midlife, we're we're doing things certain ways now for decades, right? <laughs> it's, it's really true with eating. We eat out of habit. You touched on emotional eating and not having a clear sense of when you're hungry and when you're full. It's just another example of this autopilot thinking and doing and not being intentional. So I was wondering, could you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I will. So most of us learn how to eat from our early caregivers. And that's where most of our habits are formed. We learn to be good girls, and some of us learn that means cleaning our plates. Or we fall off our bike, we get hurt, we get ice cream, right? Or we get good grades and we celebrate by having extra treats. I don't know if you, you ever experienced any of those little things, Susie? I did, and I actually remember in the 80s going to a Weight Watchers meeting. <laughs> Mm. And on my way out of the meeting, my way out of the mall, I wanted to treat with myself from um, this chocolate store. So <laughs> I, I was celebrating my pound or two of weight loss with a chocolate treat on the way out the door. And I didn't even notice how odd that was until several years into really starting to learn about what this, you know, what it all meant, what, how I was processing food <laughs> and food rewards. <laughs> Yeah, and also coming to a grown-up definition of what a treat is, right? A treat has to feel good when we think about it. A treat has to feel good when we're enjoying it, but it also has to feel good after we're done. If we're filled with regret and shame about something we just did or ate, that is not really a treat. Good point. So it's, it's redefining it for us. So we go through our childhood. And we learn how to deal with all those ups and downs of, emotional, of our emotional life with food. It's natural in our world. And it seems really harmless at the time. But what it does, Susie, is it sets us up for a lifetime of habits. You know, some of your listeners may have struggled with their weight, maybe their whole life. But others like me were an average weight until some big hormonal events like childbirth. And later on, like menopause, like we were just saying, so suddenly your body changes and you eat like you've always eaten, but now you have a different body to deal with. This is when we try all those tricks that we've been talking about that used to work in our 20s. I used to go to wild aerobics classes that made my face so red, I literally thought my head was going to explode. <laughs> Right? I mean, could you just picture this? I would be beyond sweating. It was way beyond. So what I would do when I wanted to lose weight in my 20s was I would just stop having desserts and stop having drinks, alcohol. And after one week, I literally could lose five pounds. Remember those days? I <laughs> do. That's definitely a trick. You just make some minor adjustments. And what do you know? You weigh less. Not so yes. much anymore. Yeah, it was easy. But enter your 40s and beyond, and those simple fixes, they don't work anymore. So I had my two children later in life at 41 and 43. 
And let me tell you, the baby weight at that stage of life, it did not come off easily. And I was a weight loss coach. So that's when I became obsessed with my own weight. And I gained an unwanted but much deeper understanding of what my own clients were going through. Because up until that point, it was like, just eat less and all little tricks and tips to eat less. So it was hard, but it led me to what I do now and knowing now that you have to work with your mind, your body, you can't use food to soothe yourself. That's how we work in the Freedom Group. So I wanna just share with you a couple of little ideas that your listeners could do right now. Oh, great. So they've had these long ingrained habits, right? First thing is, Notice the next time that you get the idea that you want to eat, the very next time, and ask yourself, am I hungry? And what I mean by that is physically hungry, where the feeling starts in your stomach, not when you see something that looks good and you get the idea that you want to eat, but right, that physical feeling in your stomach. So if it is real hunger, then I want you to sit down, Choose what you want to eat, pay attention, and enjoy it and eat it. But if you want to eat and you ask if you're hungry and you're not, then you could see that something triggered you. That drive to eat in the moment is coming from your mind, not your body. So you want to go backwards and you want to ask yourself, hmm, what's going on for me? What was I just thinking right before I wanted to eat? And that's the very beginning of learning how to go back to what we all knew, if not as children, as babies. And that is how to eat when you're hungry and stop when your body, not your mind, has had enough. Does that make sense, Susie? It does. And it seems so simple, but I really think this is the core of it. I remember recently I was driving by my favorite coffee drive through place that has coffee and donuts. And I wasn't hungry at all, but I'd been going to that drive-thru for, uh, I haven't been going to the drive-thru in the last six years, but when I was working for almost 20 years, I would stop at that drive-thru every day. And it was, it was like clockwork. I drove by and I was like, I want a donut. <laughs> I haven't had a donut. I don't even know when the last time I had a donut was. But that idea of coffee and donuts and starting my day and listening to the radio and driving to work. Like it just all came up and I thought to myself, oh, I'm not hungry. I'm just not going to turn right. Look at me not turning right. Look at me. I'm going straight. (laughs) But that is exactly what you have to do. You have to like really notice when you're not doing the old habitual things and really get excited and give yourself credit because when you do that, you're wiring that new pathway of not turning right and not going into the drive-thru. Was it right? (laughs) Yeah, it was right on that one. (laughs) What am I doing? What if I just ended up there and I had nothing to do with it? No, that's not true. That's not how it works. My mind was going crazy. I'm like, why can't the light be green? Get me out of here. (laughs) And the funny thing is, it doesn't really mean anything's wrong. We are all creatures of habit, right? And our brain uses habit to save us time and energy. So it links together the two things that you were doing. You're driving in a certain area and it links together, oh, she must need a donut. (laughs) And it's just trying to 
get you there quicker and easier. It was so funny because in those years when I was driving by uh, and working, I didn't even know what a life coach was. So I had no clue about mindfulness. I was completely disconnected to feelings of hunger. I never really even thought about that unless it was such a loud rumble that the person next to me could hear it. And like that hangry feeling, right? So this time, it really kind of took me by surprise. I didn't expect to have the thoughts about wanting the donut. But then I was able to have that kind of curious yet comical conversation with myself <laughs> and keep going straight. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so helpful. So, okay, my women in the middle, you can see that Cookie is an amazing coach. I mean, and we can't not comment on your nickname, Cookie. I mean, if I'm going to have a cookie in my life, I'm glad it's you and not <laughs> another cookie with too much sugar. Uh, but Cookie really is an amazing coach, and she also has an amazing approach. And if you want to learn how you can work with Cookie or listen to her podcast, just stay tuned because the contact information will be included later in the show. But the other reason that I really wanted to talk to Cookie today is because of this whole pivot in life thing that we love to talk about on the Women in the Middle podcast. So Cookie, tell me, how did you come to a realization about your business model? So I know that recently you've really been tweaking your business model and you've told me that you no longer really see that the way you've been working for years is aligned with your lifestyle anymore and you needed to make a change. That point when, when an amazing woman in the middle knows that she has to make a change, that's when I want to get them on the podcast. So let's talk about that change when you noticed it, what you were thinking, and what your next steps were. Well, several years ago, Susie, as you know, I had cancer, and it was pretty serious. And during that time, I stepped back from my work, and I thought that that was my wake-up call, to live my life very authentically, to focus on what was important. At that time, I had a thriving coaching business focusing on emotional eating and weight loss. And I did all kinds of things, mostly private clients, little bit of groups. I worked with other coaches and collaborations. I had products. I had all kinds of things. And I went back to work and I loved what I was doing. I loved my clients, loved the work. But, you know, I was working really long days, really crazy hours, and I wasn't taking great care of myself, even though that's one of the things that I teach. And the business was successful, so it was hard for me to say no to anyone that wanted to work with me. It was too tempting, you know, mm. to just not grab it and say, come on, I can help you. But then because my first wake-up call was not enough, in 2018, I got another kind of cancer. Mm. And this was pretty serious again, stage four. And it was another chance for me. Now, of course, I didn't see it as another chance to change and pivot in the moment. But at the end of that year, when I got through that tough year, it was another chance for me to evaluate my life and see if I was doing what I should be doing. Did it feel good? Did it do some good in the world? And did it let me live in a way where I really could walk my talk, you know, and do what I was teaching other women to do, which was to take the best care of myself that I could. So that is how I totally changed the way that I 
ran my business and I opened up the Freedom Group, which is a way of working with women using the same thing, the same program I used one-on-one, but now I am doing a group. And it's a more sane way for me to live. So now I focus all my energy and my brain space and my time on the Freedom Group. And it just fits my life, Susie. And, And it feels so good that, you know, I could figure out what wasn't working, what I wanted to be different, and put it into place. The thing is that it's not always that obvious. So it's amazing that with this second wake-up call, and I can't, like this, it's impossible for me to even imagine what you've been through, but that you still wanted to continue this amazing work with women and helping in this way but that you realized you were out of alignment. And I know that sounds so coachy, that terminology, but it really is a disconnect when you know that you're helping other women and you're working on this message and helping them understand to connect with what it is that they want and then figure out how to live that way. And when you're not walking the walk, it can be very uncomfortable. Right before I came back to work, it was like standing on the edge of a swimming pool and looking in. So I was getting ready to jump back into work. I knew I missed it. I missed the mental stimulation tremendously. I was feeling well enough physically to think about going in, but all the thoughts of how I was overworking before came back and I knew this is my chance to jump back in, but to do it differently. So I'm, I'm kind of lucky in a way that I had that space that allowed me to look at it instead of just keep on doing what I was always doing. For sure. But you know what's so interesting is that as an entrepreneur, I know when somebody's not an entrepreneur and they look at us who are, you know, trying to to do work as an entrepreneur, it's like, well, you guys can do whatever you want and you can travel whenever you want and you can go to lunch whenever you want. Everything's completely flexible. And, you know, yes and no, right? And so... It is flexible, but you need to plan for flexibility. And it, it, you can go away when you want, kind of, if you plan for it. And it's, uh, it's not like you can take a vacation day the way I used to be able to take a vacation day when I was employed in a, you know, a big corporation. So it's very interesting that you saw it and that you did something about it. And I also love that you did talk about a wake-up call because wake-up calls can look very different, but the outcome of a wake-up call really is kind of like the universe is presenting you with the choice. And I know uh, my clients have talked to me about all kinds of wake-up calls. Common ones are, um, you know, age or caring for parents, getting sick or somebody close to you getting sick, children leaving home, children having milestones. Sometimes the wake-up calls are positive, sometimes they're negative, but whatever the case, they're jarring. (laughs) And it's kind of like a bit of a shake-up, and it really is an opportunity to do some reevaluation. So what did all of this mean for self-care after two uh, times dealing with cancer? uh, And now self-care had to you must have you must have started to think about self-care differently after I did 
And, and when I first came back to work in the beginning of this past year, I just assumed, okay, I'm not going into the overwork mode again. This time's going to be different. But I'm a creature of habit like we all are. And little by little, I began to find myself heading back to where I was, even though it was a group business model instead of a lot of one-on-one -on -one clients, I still was doing way more than I originally, originally wanted to. So this is where I'm doing my work right now. You know, although I'm a teacher and a coach, I believe that we all work on ourselves until we're out of this world. And sure. that's a good thing, right? It's not meaning that something's wrong with us and you have to be on a self-improvement binge until the day you die. I look at it as you have to get clearer on clear and clearer on how you want to show up in the world. What version of you do you want to be and to present and to do things with? And is it going to be the version where you're always exhausted and depleted and struggling? Or do you want to finally take care of that and clean it up so that you can spread your gifts in the world more, whatever they are? So this, for me, is my real focus. You know how we choose one word a year to focus on? So my word for this year, hyphenated, is self-care. And I am doing more than ever before. And it's only January, early January, but as we're recording this, but this is my year to really focus on self-care. You know, one of the words that I use in my framework for the work that I do is becoming. And becoming really refers to becoming the woman that you want to be on purpose. And it really gets at what you were talking about. How do you want to show up in the world? Do you want to be more patient? Do you want to be well-rested? Do you want to be a woman who takes exceptional care of herself? Do you want to be a woman whose work is completely in alignment with her personal practice? So when you think of self-care, like what are you doing to take care of yourself? What are some of the things that are really important for you? Well, I actually write that down. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me, but I think it goes back to values, right? If you're very clear on what your values are, then you have to make sure that you're applying the importance of those values to you and how you deal with yourself. So health is obviously an important value to me. And taking care of my physical being is very important to me. So that means having a morning routine, simple, having an evening routine, eating good foods 90% of the time, foods that are helpful to me. I don't believe in bad foods or good foods. But some are more helpful to us, especially in life, right? And so it involves eating good food, moving my body. And, you know, it's funny because as the decades have passed, moving my body has changed. Where I used to be a fast walker, I was never a runner. And then I would just walk on the treadmill. And then various interventions happened, you know, with my knees and parts of me that didn't perform like they used to, and then I would switch to a non-impact. So through the years, you adapt what works for you and your self-care. So definitely movement, journaling, 
making time to do tiny little short meditations, being outside a couple of times a day, even in the winter, walking my dog. You and I both have dogs and Love it. You know, taking care of them is really very good for us. And one of my important values is connection. So connecting with close family members and friends and you know, all the business connections that you make. And of course, my beloved members of my group, who we really do get to know each other in kind of deep ways. So it's nourishing my body, my mind, my spirit, having things to read, um, filling myself up with things that make me feel good. Oh, I love that. I love that you used the word nourishing. Nourishing is a beautiful way to think about it. it. It feels so different than something that you should be doing. Like nourishing is so gentle and caring and warm and full of self-compassion. I love that. Uh, it really feels different than I must exercise. Oh, absolutely. And especially the old thought of I must exercise to lose weight. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> so true. <laughs> right. You know, um, we're not broken. We don't need fixing. Uh, but I believe that continual growth through our life is what nourishes us. And a lot of the things you talk about is figuring out what your passions are and following them and finding ways to indulge yourself with the good stuff that feeds you body, mind, and spirit so that you keep becoming this better and fuller and richer version of you. We're not talking about being the skinniest woman you know and wearing, you know, a size zero or a two, which didn't even exist when I was growing up. <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what we started at, but there was no such thing as a zero and certainly no such thing as a double zero. What is so, that? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it's tiny. It's really tiny. And... You know, I just think that the more you could give to yourself, you're taking care of your foundation, right? And in our life with all the roles we have and all the different interactions and connections we have, if we look at us as we are the basic, basic building block of our own life, the better we take care of that, the more solid we make it, the more there is that could go on top of that. Absolutely. Well, one thing we know for sure as women in the middle is that we are not alone. I find that so comforting. With that being said, what lessons do you think you can share with other midlife women who are struggling with the same realization of disconnection? Like that there's some part of their life that's just, or their lifestyle or their business that's just out of sync. It's not working for them anymore. Some might call it balance, some sense that they're running on a treadmill, no pun intended. But what are some of the key lessons that you can share that really helped you pivot? You know, Susie, what you're saying is so true that it is so easy to feel like you're on that treadmill and to feel like you wake up, you do the same thing, you go to sleep. What's the point? Plus, now you're older and things are changing. Where is the joy coming from? But I find listening to what you say and what you share inspiring because I truly do believe, and I am a great example, that there is no such thing as a time cutoff. It is never too late 
unless it's literally the very end for you. So much is possible. And I think our brains are trained to look for, yeah, but. That's not possible for me. You could do that, but you're different. And I think we're all unique and we all have all this experience that we've gathered and all this knowledge that we don't even realize how much we have and all the different ways that we could direct it and and all those different ways that would feel good. And one more little thing. I think that you have to accept that you know yourself better than anybody else. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Right? And we as women tend to not trust ourselves. That doesn't mean that you can't get guidance from someone else or support from someone else, but you have to know inside what's right for you and be open and willing to speak up for yourself and to go after it. So knowing yourself does not mean that you say, oh, yeah, that's just what I always do. That's how I am. No, that's an excuse. Just because you've always done something doesn't mean that's you. It means it's your habit. So if you put that aside, trust yourself to try different things and see what feels good today because you are different today than you were 10 years ago or 20 years ago or one year ago for sure. Yeah, yeah, that is so good, Cookie. Like one of the things I always say on the podcast, I when I ask a question, when I'm talking about something, I ask a question and I'm like, what was the first thing that came to your mind? Because we want to squish that stuff down, right? But that's really what we're thinking. <laughs> so let that image or let those words come forward. That really is your authentic self speaking to you. And to just allow it, just to pause and look at it, just respect it, respect yourself, just really embrace that stuff instead of squishing it down and squishing it back because we really do. We're not just older. We are older and wiser. Absolutely. (laughs) We're definitely wiser. Cookie, you are a wealth of knowledge in so many ways. How can listeners find out more about the Freedom Group and Real Weight Loss for Real Women? Susie, the Freedom Group is the way that women can connect with me and learn how to leave those overeating habits in the past. The Freedom Group opens for new members four times a year. So to get on the wait list and learn just about how it works and what it can do for you, you can go to weightlossmadereal.com forward slash group. I also would welcome your listeners to join me in my free Facebook group, and it's called Weight Loss Made Real. It's the same name as my podcast, Weight Loss Made Real, and that's where we talk about the weekly episodes, and I help them not just listen and nod their heads, but actually take action, and I'd love to connect. That's amazing. Cookie, thank you so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. You're amazing. It's funny how we originally met because you, of course, uh, I found you at the Life Coach School. And I kept thinking, I I saw your name when I was a new coach. I'm like, why don't I know her? Who is this cookie? I need to find out who she is. I kind of stalked you. And then (laughs) we were both teaching and I I went up to you and I'm like, uh, I need to know you. We're going to be friends. (laughs) I feel the same way. And we've had some pretty fun adventures together. 
And you have a prime spot on my bulletin board now with both of us wearing matchy, matching hats. <laughs> but that's another story. We found the most beautiful hats in Southern California. It was great. Uh, Cookie, thanks so much. I know this information is really going to help these amazing women in the middle. And I know that you're going to be there for them as you always are. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Susie. That's it for today's episode. I'm sure you'll agree weight loss and wake up calls are actually an interesting combination of issues to talk about. I love that Cookie explains some of the myths behind weight loss in menopause and weight loss in midlife and the importance of learning more about mindful eating. It really can be life changing. Speaking of life-changing, she made some pretty powerful life changes too. A wake-up call can really be an opportunity to slow down and reflect on what's really important and what you can do about it. You can also check out episode 42 called When You Have a Midlife Wake-Up Call. You can do that so you can dig in a little deeper on this topic. Okay, my focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time spinning and feeling stuck. It's time to get excited about your life again. Being the queen of your brain domain really is the best way to be. So check out the show notes with more information and links about how to connect with Cookie at SusieRosenstein.com. Download my free ebook, Nine Secrets to Get Unstuck in Your 50s at SusieRosenstein.com forward slash nine secrets. And there are three ways to connect more with me in the future. The first way is to join the free Women in the Middle Community Facebook group where we continue the podcast conversation. Head over to www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash women in the middle community. Two, work with me directly and get unbelievably effective coaching to take you from being stuck and confused to being crystal clear and excited about your future. Book your free call and let's talk. Just head over to www.talktosusie.com. And three, become a first lady, of course. Join my new midlife membership, Finally First. This is an upbeat virtual community for midlife women who want clarity, courage, and connection to make the changes they want to make in their next chapter. Sign up for the VIP waitlist now because the doors will open again soon and you will be ready to go. Head over to www.iamfinallyfirst.com. Let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first one thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.